cliffcentral.com. Oh, ain't that nice? Ain't that good? That is <laughs> that's the intro to the show. But I've got to get that back at you. That was really nice. Summer. Yeah, there you go. Welcome to it. This is the first ever edition of The Bounce Show. I've finally been given my own show here on Cliff Central. Obviously, I've been doing, well, I do the morning show with Gareth and the team and with the sports. And I've been doing features up until now, which hopefully you have enjoyed. But today, today, the 11th of January, 2016, I have my own show, and I'm very happy that you've joined me for it. Uh, my name is Ben Karpinski. I shall be the host of the Said Bounce Show. And essentially what it is, is me basically bringing the best of my websites to the airwaves of Cliff Central right now. Now, I have had a sports blog for, well, late 2009. I wanted to get into sports writing, so I started this small, very humble blog. Back then, it was, well, it was terrible. It was absolutely shit, and it was called bksports.co.za. It was essentially me talking about what was happening for the sport that weekend, and I'd share it to my friends, and I think they were just being nice by saying, wow, Ben, this is so cool. Please do send this to me every single Friday and spam my email box. Well, I thank you to my friends in the beginning who did actually show some faith in my writing, and uh, from there, it's progressed to something I now call a life, I guess. I write about sport, I tweet about sport, and of course, I talk about sport. So the Spounce show that you listen to right now is a combination of all of that. I know that sounds like a very lofty intro. Well, it is. But, you know, sometimes you've got to start with sincerity because that's what it's all about, really. You need humans talking about human things, and here we are. So much sport to get through every single week. So now Cliff Central has a dedicated sports show around that. And uh, it really is a show for you. So if you want me to talk to certain people, if you think I should be talking about certain things more often or less, please feel free to let me know about all these things. Get involved. Every Monday, we're looking to kind of produce something that's really unique to the sporting landscape out there because we all are pretty tired of like the mainstream stuff. We know it's good to get all the live stuff, like the sports that we like to watch and headlines, but we need a bit more. We need to scratch above this, beyond the surface of sport in South Africa. There's so many great conversations to be had and there are so many great people who do you should be having these conversations with. So when I have guests on the show, it's not going to be your mainstream people. It's not going to be people that you see on TV. Not because I couldn't be asked to get them for the interview. Is that because I believe the most important people in sport and the most interesting are the ones that are out there on the internet. Kind of, you know, they've got nothing to lose really. They just say a lot of things. Sometimes they get things wrong, but a lot of the times they get things right and they're interesting characters. So I'll be showcasing them and so much more in my guest sections. I haven't really got a hard and fast format for the show just yet, because I believe you can't have that, you know, like you can have that for formulated TV stuff where you got to go to breaks and you've got to do little pieces here and there. But this is an hour. This is your hour. This is an hour of sport where we're going to do so much. So, I mean, one week I might just have an hour long interview with someone. Who knows? I might just have a video heavy uh, hour. The loose loose formats I have working right now is we're going to have a little intro. I'll bring you with the best happening in sport. And then we get into the headlines, discuss a few things, and then have what I'm very, very excited about is the interview segment where we're going to just touch on different aspects. And some people are specialists at that. And to enhance it even further, we've got the guys from Conquer Sport are going to be joining us every week. Well, at least in the initial stages until one of us grows tired of each other, I guess. And these guys are super, super intelligent. They write really great pieces every single week. And they are leaders in the sports industry. Now, many people are shit talkers in the sport industry. These guys are leaders within structured conversations and professional side of things so they're going to be a great addition um yeah i'm going to play lots of clips and i'm going to play you basically well 
share all the things that will be happening in the week ahead in sport as well. So that essentially will be the bounce show. Of course, if I've written something that will be very interesting on the site, I'll dig deeper into that and just give you everything you need to know about sport. Um, well, I, I didn't didn't intend for this intro to be so long. What I was going to do in this intro, of course, is introduce Big D on the presenter. Hello, hello, Ben. This is Duncan. Duncan's probably the most famous guy at Cliff Central for various reasons. He is part of so many different shows, and he adds his voice and crude humor. Uh, you'll get neither of that here. Duncan will just be pressing the knobs in the background. But Duncan, thank you. I'm glad to be pressing your knobs, Ben. Ahead of everything this show may go on to do, I thank you for being there. So Duncan's going to be the guy helping with Skype calls and making sure the show sounds relatively uh, professional and also kind of showing me the same thing every week just so I feel very reassured in the driving seat over here. I let you have to bring up three dials and press play on one thing, but you never know what nerves get to you. So that is The Bounce Show. Again, this is going to be every Monday, 10 a.m. South African time. Uh, I'm sandwiched between chaotic comedians and uh, master chefs. So, again, just shows the diversity of Cliff Central. And, of course, every single time, every single week, this show will be podcast on cliffcentral.com. You can listen to it. If you didn't catch it live, you get it on the app and you get it on the website. But enough about me. I think we've got to start every show, or at least the ones in the beginning of the year, with some Monday motivation. And that motivation this week is going to be... Now let me tell you, Arnold. someone told me that Catch something is impossible, I will go out and do it. That's just the way I always was. I was told to my face, you're, you're nothing but a giant muscle. You can't act. You have no future and you have an accent that is laughable. Ignore the naysayers. Work like hell. Trust yourself. Break some rules. Don't be afraid to fail. I've made a fortune in several careers. And I've been very successful in several careers by believing in myself. Let me tell you, you're going to find the naysayers at every turn that you make. Don't listen. Just visualize your goal, know exactly where you want to go. Trust yourself. Get out there and work like hell. And break some of the rules and never, ever be afraid of failure. I couldn't have gone to one lifting event in my life if I would have been afraid of failure. Because, of course, there's a chance that you can fail. When you lift the weight, I tried 10 times to lift bench press 500 pounds. And I failed. But the 11th time I did it. So never give up and never be afraid of failure. Because otherwise you box yourself in and you limit yourself. You all should go and be hungry for success. You should be hungry to make your mark. And you should be hungry to be seen and to be heard and to have an effect out there. You have to think outside the box. That's what I believe after all. What is the point of being on this earth if all you want to do is be liked by everyone and avoid the trouble? The only way that I ever got any place was the breaking some of the rules. When you're out there partying, washing around, someone out there at the same time is working hard. Someone is getting smarter and someone is winning. Just remember that. Now, if you want to coast through life, don't pay any attention to any of those rules. But if you want to win, there's absolutely no way around hard, hard work. Don't be afraid to fail. Anything I've ever attempted, I was always willing to fail. You can't always win, but don't be afraid of making decisions. You can't be paralyzed by fear or failure or you will never push yourself. You keep pushing because you believe in yourself and in your vision. 
and you know that it's the right thing to do, success will come. So don't be afraid to fail. Don't listen to the naysayers. I mean, how many times have you heard that you can't do this and you can't do that and it has never been done before? I hear this all the time. As a matter of fact, I love it when someone says, no one has ever done this before because then when I do it, that means that I'm the first one that has done it. So pay no attention to the people that say it can't be done. Just remember, you can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in a pocket. Thanks, Arnold. Wow, you couldn't start a show off any better than some Monday motivation from Arnold. You've got to watch this video on YouTube. The, I forgot what a beast Arnold actually was. Uh, he was the original bodybuilder, right? He was the original guy who was just putting so much time in the gym to be, and he was. He was Conan the Barbarian. Oh, what a man. Right, uh, into the headlines. We're going to start off with what happened over the weekend. And uh, if you do want to get involved in the show, and if you are listening live, uh, of course, paying attention to this. If there's a podcast you're listening to, then just tweet me at Follow the Bounce. It's the best thing to get in touch with me on. Uh, our screens in the studio seem to be down, but don't worry about that. At Follow the Bounce on Twitter. See, by telling you that, I've also prom- promoted myself on social media. Shameless, but hey, next level it is. Right, so let's start with rugby. We haven't had a lot of rugby recently. And uh, next week, you're in for an absolute treat. I'm going to try to do the absolute impossible and describe to you how Super Rugby works this year. There's, of course, 18 teams, um, which is a lot. And <laughs> with a lot of teams comes a lot of complications. So there's all kinds of different formats and divisions and conferences. I don't know. There's various names. But next week... I'm going to get someone who's going to help me with this process, uh, a specialist in the field of rugby, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, because that's happening soon. Huh? That's like, well, we're already in the 11th of Jan. So before I know it, Super Rugby, which will dominate our entire first half of the year. But getting into other rugby news, Saru, okay. So Heineken may have given the flick because of transformation issues, they said. Uh, so Saru said, so he wasn't going to be there anymore. He was essentially pushed slash jumped, although... As official documents will say, Tani Kamea retired anyway. So now, Alistair Kutsia was shooing. He was like the man. There was like the knee-jerk reaction, the go-to guy. Everyone would be happy. Alistair Kutsia, coach. Cool. But Saru now saying they're only going to wait until the end of March until they officially appoint someone. And they did say that the job has been put out on Gumtree, uh, on Craigslist, on who knows what. The, you can apply for the Springbok position apparently. End of March, the executive council of theirs comes together where they basically just give the rubber stamp of whoever they think is the right person for it. But sorrow being sorrow, it's never straightforward, is it? You know there's some skullduggery on the go here. And you know that best laid intentions about getting Alistair Kutsia may have gone up in smoke. Who knows? Why, if he is the certainty, is he not being announced now? Maybe he isn't anymore. We all thought that it was going to be a given, but with Saru, nothing is ever a, a sure thing. Now, John Mitchell was, of course, was meant to become the Stormers coach, if you can believe things you read in this country, which, of course, is not always the best thing. But he was meant to be the Stormers coach after Eddie Jones gave him the flick after about 10 days. Now, because John Mitchell was essentially open for these roles, he was touted as potentially the next Bok coach. But everyone knows John Mitchell's a bit of a slave driver, and nobody wanted that sort of ethic or behavioral thing. So USA said, well, hey, we'll take him. John Mitchell signed a four-year deal with the States. He'll be the new Eagles coach, which I think is a really, really great thing because he's going to go there with this wealth of, of knowledge and experience. The Yanks haven't quite got to that stage yet, obviously, but they are emerging power in rugby. Of course, the sevens uh, circuit, they're doing so well. It's the Olympics this year, and they'll be there as well. But 
every single time they get to that World Cup, they show something is there with this rugby. They're getting more players. They're getting more interest. They're putting more money into the sport. So a guy like John Mitchell, I don't think they could have a better guy. He's going to be a hard taskmaster, but that's what you need. And uh, I think you'll definitely play into the whole USA intensity thing. They, they love that kind of shit over there. I mean, just watch any Dennis Quaid movie. John Mitchell's the perfect coach. But in parting, he did have some words to say about how the SA system isn't that great. And he it wasn't taking a dig at them. He wasn't, it wasn't sour grapes. He said to New Zealand's radio sport, and I quote this, it is challenging times here in South Africa. They are a global model as well. They are professional and title, but I'm not sure whether they are that way in preparation and delivery. Can't fault the dude for saying this because, yes, South African rugby is is one of the powerhouses. I mean, we are always in the top four of rugby. We should generally just be the second to New Zealand. And uh, it's a very amateurish way they go around things, very heavy-handed in how they go about things from time to time. And John Mitchell said that there is just no sustainable plan to become more attacking. You know, in order to become attacking as a team, you need various options. You can't just have a plan A or in Heineken's place, just plan circa 2007. You need a variety of things and a couple of them will come off and hey presto you will be attacking so John Mitchell I wish you all the best I think you are a man of, of after your own heart and I think it's, there's always a place for a guy like that and the USA is that place right moving on to crickets of course this week Thursday it will be the next um SA versus England test match. Now, I'm hugely excited about this because it's been, well, a series of two halves already. To quote an absolute belter of a cliche, in the first one in Durban, uh, England won that one. South Africa very limp. The batting was terrible and the bowling didn't do a hell of a lot. And then it got to Cape Town and they were hammered in those first two days. But then they kind of sort of won the next three. Cricket is the only place you can make a sentence that makes no sense like that. But they did. They batted themselves back into prominence, and their bowlers definitely scared the, the palm batsmen a bit. So going to this test, I think all momentum is with SA. There is some selection kind of doubts, but let's not get that just yet. First up, looking at the weather, we're looking at uh, rain Thursday afternoon, which will be day one, rain Friday afternoon, day two, and then Saturday it looks wet, wet, wet looks really not so great so the conditions are, everyone's talking about the conditions and is this the time where the project is going with four steamers and just try blitz the absolute hell out of the visitors it's a fair strategy but you do realize that the english can also back that up because although anderson's quite shy away from home given the conditions of the new ball he can be very 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 difficult broad's always a fighter finn huge bounce and stokes also pretty handy i mean they might also go with four steamers although i don't see them dropping more early could do, could do. This works. There's a foot at that lefty. Um, yeah, so whatever we throw out there bowling-wise, the pumps can pretty much match us right now. So I don't think it would be the biggest advantage. Although, again, you know, do you go for green green top and then you bat first and then you get all the rain about? But the big talking point is still, and I think it will be for quite some time because that's what, that's what happens in sports. There's just huge speculation about who should be where. And, of course, as fans, we know best. Well, we know a bit. I wouldn't say best is often the, the, the correct word. Now, Stephen Cook is the big, uh, the big talking point, really. The guy's form in the local Sunfall, uh, um, what do you call it? The four day tournament has been incredible. The guy just keeps scoring runs. He scored another 100 over the weekend. Um, he scored 118 down in Paul against the Cobras. 
Is he the right guy to just thrust in here? He hasn't been included in the squad, uh, despite the fact that every time he seems to go out, he's raising his bat. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Well, thanks to the guys at Audi, I managed to put some f- questions forward to uh, Gary Gary Kirsten. I almost said Gary Play there. Sure. I should get that off the mind. Anyway, of course, um, Audi is the progressive partner of, uh, of of the Proteus, so they're very involved in the whole um, position of performance and innovation in sport. And Gary's one of their ambassadors. So I put together a few questions. You can see the entire video on the bounce.ca.za. It's called Extra Covered with Gary Kirsten. Now, the thing about selection is Gary had some very interesting things to say, of which I shall play you this clip now. You know, it's a, it's a tough one. Stian van is a quality player, you know, and he's already got hundreds for South Africa. And, um, you know, you don't just want to you know, throw that talent away. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's potentially some tough decisions to make. Uh, I've always been a fan of persevering with it, people because I know that if they're quality players and that's why you're picking them in the first place, then run with them, back them because they will reward you because of that quality. And um, you know, so I, I think if you're chopping and changing players and you're not recruiting properly, um, so. Um, Let's hope they give them a decent run, and and I'm sure they will be rewarded. So, bonus aside for this wondrous test, the question mark still is: Should Stian van give be given another chance to open the batting? Now, just to echo Gary's words, that he's been recruited for a reason, right? Now, is the reason that he's there is because he's a talent to go forward. The selectors, this is this is their job. This is what selectors do when they leave the house in the morning. They find guys who are going to take the team further. Van has been identified as that. Whether he should have been an opening batsman, he's a bloody talented middle-order batsman. That's how he sort of rose to prominence. Anyway, that's not the point. He's been given that chance. He has to go with it. Stephen Cook can keep making runs. You know, if you look at Australia as a prime example, and I was touching on all of this this morning on the Gareth Cliff Show, is that 32 is not old. You know, he's 32. He's probably got another four years where he can be really good. Look at that Voges guy from um, Australia. Chris Rogers, uh, Michael Hussey, he came on the scene very late. Those guys, they can all sort of um, flourish at a certain rate. So I don't think we should see this now as, or if you don't pick uh, Stephen Cook now, when will we? We've got to look at it as Stephen Van as we put there, give him a chance, and if this is not going to happen, then it's up to the selectors now to make a decision after what they think is a good run. I just really hope he does come right. I think he's a great batsman. But to know that there's a guy like Stephen Cook breathing down his neck, this is what we want in sport. We want healthy competition. We want form, just always pushing form. And I think this team can only go one way. So that is going to be hugely, hugely exciting. Uh, if you are in the Joburg area or Karting area, do go through. Even if you pull a sneaky on the Friday, although there might be rain on the Friday afternoon. Weather looks set fair for Sunday and for Monday. Yeah. Or test match cricket. This is nothing better, is it? I'm getting flashbacks already to the Newlands test, sitting in the sun there, drinking beer, chatting. Oh, it's just it's the way forward. We won't get into any more cricket because our big guest this, this morning is Dennis Friedman. Now, Dennis is ugh, he's my favorite guy I talk to on the show because he offers such great, great insights, great opinions, uh, very eloquent guy. He's probably my favorite Australian, even more so than Kylie Minogue, which is saying something. So we'll get on the rest of the cricket with him in about 10 minutes. So what I do want to talk about now is golf. Uh, big weekend for SA Golf. The SA Open has been, well, it's an event that seems to be getting better and better when you think um, it became part of the European tour, so it became a co-sanctioned event. Henry Stenson won it, and they had a nice long run of it being at really good golf courses. It's a really cool event. Yes, it's the second oldest in the world, but let's not harp on about that again. Ernie Els became the ambassador of the event recently. 
Now, of course, uh, to benefit his um, else for autism charity, only such a he's such a force of nature within the SA sport. The dude missed the cut of the weekend, but you know there he was. He was having a beer with the guys. He was getting involved in the commentary box. His commentary was so good over the weekend. If you did watch, he's such a legend of a guy. And to know that he's backing this tournament is only going to mean greater things in the future. And he has already confirmed that Roy McIlroy will come out within next year or the year after which is such a cool thing. What makes it even better is that our youngsters now have this event as such a massive springboard. It's always been there as a massive springboard, but to know that Ernie is obviously pushing his players from his um, Else Foundation to go through it as well, it's just so cool. And like this weekend, I wasn't feeling very great, so I was on the couch. I couldn't actually go and watch it live. But to watch young Brandon Stone, what a talent this dude is. Like Everyone knows he's going to be a huge talent. Son of Kevin Stone, who was a pretty handy Sunshine Tour player. He came out and he shot, I think it was, um, he had an amazing round on the Saturday. Uh, shit, I've lost the information now. Anyway, I think he shot 67 or 66. Anyway, um, rain hindered the weekend's play, very stop start, but, um, Brandon got himself into a great position. He faltered incredibly around the turn on the final day, but then just had such a stellar back nine, ended up winning by two. And, uh, he is now the fifth youngest Esther Open winner. Bobby Locke was the youngest. Uh, he was 17 years and five months. Alan Henning, uh, back when he won in 63, he was 19 years and six months. Mr. Gary Player himself, he won this event more than anyone else, uh, 13 times, if I'm not mistaken. He was 20 years and two months. Ernie Els as well, he won this event in 92, 22 years and three months. Brandon Stone, 22 years and nine months. Now, there's a reason why all the big names are in one little list here, because when you're young, this was the, this was the biggest event for those guys to win. And right now in Brandon Stone's career, as a co-sanctioned European Tour event, this is the biggest thing he can win right now. And to know what kind of what kind of strength he'll go to after this, it's going to be absolutely incredible to watch this guy's career. But even even more so, is knowing that there is depth within the youngsters now. We we spoke about this last year on some of the feature shows I did. That it was a bit disappointing to see the talent in SA Golf just not quite coming through. You know, you got a guy like Brandon Grace, he's doing really really well. Uh, but Louis Ostazen, Charles Swartz, all those guys, you know, we expected so much from them. And they haven't been failures, far from it. They've all, I mean, lots have all won a major. But they haven't really kicked on as much. So now with these youngsters breathing down the neck as well, form on form, as I keep saying in sports, can lead to good things. So SA Golf looking really great. Christian Bezedner, the guy I was going to touch on now, he was only two back. He finished in uh, sole second place. He won the tour school this year in Bloemfontein. And wow, you probably couldn't find a better swing out there. The dude's got so much, so much talent. Also, he's um, a graduate from the Ernie Ellis Academy as well. Interesting times in golf, really, really are. And uh, over on the US PGA Tour, uh, Jordan Spieth, 30 under par this week for the, at the plantation course at Kapalua in Maui. 30 under par, still wasn't the record for the event though. 2003, Ernie shot minus 31. Anyway, it's his seventh tournament win. Uh, which ties him with Tiger Woods, the most tournament wins on the USPGA Tour before the age of 23. Jordan Spieth is 22 and six months. He's got six months to kind of beat Tiger in that one, but he is hating the fact that anyone is comparing him right now to Tiger Woods. He says, don't even try. I'm not even near that. Jordan Spieth such a legend of a guy. Here's a guy with his head firmly in the right place, and uh, you, just, you just can't help but love watching this guy win. He shot 66, 64, 65, 67. That is just relentless golf. It really is. Patrick Reed, who was the defending champ, also had a fantastic week. He was 22 under, but he came second by eight shots. That's pretty much it for the headlines for this week. Uh, just one more thing I want to add in. Sepp Blatter is still trying to appeal the ban. With this old git, please sod off now. Sepp, nobody needs you in this world. 
FIFA's going to move on. Football's going to move on. Take your old wrinkly plastered face and please leave everyone alone. Oh, this guy. <laughs> He's like the Mr. Burns of sport, but just so much worse and just not funny. So there's your headlines. Uh, we're going to come back with our interview for the day, which is going to be Dennis Friedman. But speaking of Australians... I'm sure you'll see so much of Aussie Man on the moment on YouTube. If you haven't, just Google Aussie Man, throw YouTube Aussie Man in the search over there. The dude is just so funny. Uh, he just tells it as it is, and I think he will feature a lot more in the show. But because we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, as this is, of course, the first episode of the show, Aussie Man is going to just sort of dissect the whole Chris Gale flirting thing. Nobody can do it better than the straight-talking Aussie. And we come back from that, we've got an even better one in Dennis Friedman. How you going, top blokes and sheilas? Welcome to Aussie Man Studios. I've been seeing the story of Chris Gale, the cricketer, flirting with Mel McLaughlin blow up a lot over the last couple of days. Some of you have also started asking me what I reckon, what's my critical analysis, so I'll give it to you. It looks like you're absolutely just smashing this innings. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I want to come and have an interview with you as well. That's the reason why I'm here, so just to see your eyes for the first time. It's nice, so... Hopefully we win this game and we can have a drink after. Don't blush, baby. I'm not, I'm not blushing. Um. Hopefully I finish the tournament. So I'm looking forward to go recover well and look in your eyes. You're going to leave it on that note. Well done. Thanks. Uh, sorry. <laughs> One of the morning. You can tell towards the end that he maybe thinks he might have pushed it a bit too far. Where he's like, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no, shit, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> Please don't ruin my livelihood. Uh, sorry. <laughs> One of the more- and he's been fined $10,000. Uh, and yeah, big conversations about sexism. And it's easy to get fired up as a guy. The knee-jerk reaction is to go, this is fucking bullshit. If the roles were reversed, if the, oh, 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 if the roles were reversed, this wouldn't fucking happen. And then discredit Mel. What's she doing on the TV doing the fucking cricket anyway? Just give me Shane Warne. Um... Easy to go down that path. I'm going to say simmer down, reel it back in. I think we can afford to be a little more analytical here. I think we can be as thorough in our analysis as, say, the hit Netflix documentary series Making a Murderer. Okay, we won't go that far. Uh, Pretty simple from Mel's perspective, I reckon. Uh, you You don't expect to, you're not prepared to flirt in the workplace, especially live on the air. Gail put her in a fucking pickle there. He did. Uh, sorry. <laughs> One of the more... uh, so you're not expected to and you're not prepared to. Even if you want to flirt back, still not expected to, still not always prepared to. And I'm sure we can actually all relate to that. I'm sure if you think back, if I think back to a time when I was employed before becoming a full-time bum in 2016, I, I can remember times where, you know, I've had a bit of, bit of a crush in the workplace on someone where, you, where you've got a bit of a workplace crush and both of you guys and girls you're usually pretty fucking cautious about it it's usually baby steps you know you kind of just you kind of just pat it out over six months over 12 months 18 months then bang it's on fucking Christmas party <laughs> uh, you know so baby steps Chris Gale just went that fucking full steam ahead he did unfortunately enter into creep zone. I did think as well on on his behalf, I was like, well, you know, these athletes, they're under a lot of pressure. They're young. They have money thrown at them. They're disciplined. They're always having to fucking work out and shit. If they show any signs of bloody having sexual urges or sexuality, let's not fucking berate them, you know? I mean, that's bullshit. Um... But he is 36. (laughs) So then I started thinking, ah, fuck, this is going down the path of reminding me of that Chris Rock 
stand-up comedy where he's like, you don't want to become the old guy in the club. You know why you got to settle down eventually? Because you don't want to be the old guy in the club. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Any club you go into, there's only one old guy. He ain't really old, just a little too old to be in the club. To take the argument now, to take the idea of the roles being reversed, let's explore that. Uh, people are, are using Norla Hafner as an example of a female being sexist towards a male live on the air. Good morning, muscly man. Hello. <laughs> Did you see? Yep, he waved. Did you see that? Hello, hello, extremely muscly, fit, agile man. Hi. He's not mic'd because obviously, you know, <laughs> this was single? impromptu. Yeah. Um, no, no. Are you single? No, no. I'm uh, no. happily engaged. Happily engaged. Uh, anyway, it was nice knowing you. So, um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's it from Balmoral. Chris Gale was, I mean, he said it's a joke. It's a bad joke. He didn't deliver it well. He didn't, he didn't do it well. He didn't do it half as well as someone like Norla. I actually love Norla for those reasons. I don't want to see her dragged into this too much. She's a spontaneous, emotional reporter. She fucking cried when she did a story on a pedo once. Queenslander faced a maximum 40-year sentence that struck a deal with prosecutors by leading authorities to other pedophiles. So I don't want to see this argument become a thing of, wow, the rules have to be exactly the same. It's so black and white. We don't want to see any sexual uh, kind of fucking spontaneous entertainment live on the air. No one should show any sexuality, any innuendos whatsoever. Just fucking cut it all out. Um, I don't want to see that happen because some people can do it well. Should Chris Gale be fined because he did it badly? Probably fucking not. It seems like everyone's just gone into cliche mode with this. Mel has gone into being, well, I'm, I'm hurt and upset. Chris Gale has gone into apologising. Fucking the corporate middle ground sports industry has gone, we've sorted it out with money. Uh, everyone's gone into these cliche fucking camps. Uh, to criticise Mel a little bit here as well, I mean, you know you're working in an industry with 90% blokes, 95% blokes. Maybe, maybe this criticism is more aimed at her employer as well. You're sending people into this environment, uh, women into this environment. Do you not do any training? Do you, not, do you not do a discussion around that? Because she just seemed to fucking freeze right up. It could have breezed through the situation quite easily, I think. But yeah, he's like, hey, baby, why don't we get a fucking drink? And she just suddenly goes, fucking what? Fucking... Um, but, you know, let's talk about the 41 balls, uh, 41 runs from the 15 balls done. Tell me about how you hit the fucking cork and leather with the bat, motherfucker. Move on. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's probably has too many of those regulations going on in her head. What you can't say live on the air working for a corporate media company. Anyway, look, that's my critical analysis. There's quite a few points there. We might be able to flesh this out to a 10-part, 10-hour series like Making a Murderer. We'll see in the comments, I guess. Tell me, tell me what you guys reckon as well. Kicked off a big shitstorm. Uh, be critical about it. Go, go deep. Try to push yourself, all right? Uh, but that's it. That, that's that's my critical analysis of Chris Gale being a flirting fucker with uh, Mel live on the air. Cheers. See ya. That's Aussie man. Uh, not the Aussie man we're going to be talking to now. Dennis Friedman. We'll get to him in a couple of minutes. But uh, <laughs> what do you think about that? It's um, I know it's kind of blown over now. People are still trying to kind of write opinion pieces about, you know, is Chris Gale right or wrong? I think it's 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 so far beyond that. I think it's an industry kind of thing. And uh, there's no problem with women being in sport. There hasn't been, and there have been for so long. And the problem is, it's just that uh, it's just such a done topic. Aussie man just critically analyzed all of that. What I do want to get into right now 
is uh, oh crap. Where's that thing got to? There it is. So Dennis Friedman. Now the reason I love talking to him so much is that, like me, he started just talking shit on on Twitter, and uh, from there he's made something of it. And that he's got a really great site. I don't know where he finds the time of the day, but he writes really great insightful articles. And Dennis is just hugely knowledgeable as well. So these are all the things that make someone in my book a sporting authority. And uh, he's a genuinely good guy as well, Dennis. How's it been? How are you, buddy? Yeah, cool, man. Happy New Year. It's uh, yeah, Happy New Year to you, and congratulations on the new show. I'm very excited to be a part of it. Well, thanks. I think you're the only guy I could have had on my first show uh, in, a, in a time where, where Chris Gale is flirting with women and uh, people are getting run out with their noses. It's an exciting I'm an, time. I'm an expert in flirting with women and getting run out. <laughs> well, Dennis, there is so much to catch up on. Um, yeah. How the show is going to work from now on is that there'll be a guest and then I've got these really ultra smart, like smart, smart sports people who will then be talking from the sort of 10.45 to 11 o'clock time. But I've given you the full half hour essentially because I think we have so much to catch up on. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go. Yeah, I, I don't know where to start, but let, let's start <laughs> let's, let's start from my side. Of course, the Poms are here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they haven't been completely crap, which was what they normally do when they go away. But then again, you know, South Africa isn't such a big escape for him, for, for the team here. They can get whatever they want. The pound's very strong against the Rand, so they feel very much at home. And um, <laughs> maybe full credit for the 1-0 series lead they have at the moment. But let's just get into the big talking point, the Hashem Amla uh, resignation. As an Australian, how do you feel about that? Uh, it's interesting. I don't know if I have an Australian perspective, but I've, I guess I've got a perspective on, on Hashem. Um you know, it's probably been written about quite a lot over in, in your part of the world, but uh, at the time when Graham Smith stepped down, Hashim Amla actually put his hand up and said he wanted to be the test captain and, and I guess took on AB de Villiers for the role and, and, and won the spot fair and square. And uh, it's interesting that maybe 18 months later, he's decided it's not for him and, and stepped aside. Um, but the stupid thing is that uh, AB's come out and said, you know, he needs to reduce his workload, yet they've given him the captaincy. So... Um, credit credit to Amla for for working out that it's not for him. You know, leadership's probably not for everybody that that thinks they they they, they want to have a crack at it. But uh, I think it's a bit stupid that they then give the captaincy to AB de Villiers when he's clearly overworked. Well, this now means that Quinton Lecoq is a certainty in the team. That's one thing we can draw between the lines here because he went in and out and they don't know whether he's made for test cricket or if he's not. There's a bit of a shambles going on when you think about that. And yes, I think AB, the whole thing is he never wanted to be a keeper and these dipshits keep going, well, you know, we're going to play AB to keeper so we can strengthen the batting lineup. Or just take the captaincy away from Hash and your battle lineup strengthened anyway. So I think that's one way of looking at it. And for me, I don't think he was the right guy. And um, I also don't believe what you read about the fact that he wanted the job from the start. I think I, I don't think he was ever suited for it. And it gets back to the fact that I believe it's a theory that we've the two of us have had had dear for a long time. You need to be a pretty hard bastard in the Test arena. Now, if you look yeah. at any really good captain, right, whether it be Pakistan, India, you, your blokes, uh, England, even well, <laughs> not use England right now because <laughs> cooks like a border collie on a leash, really. But you've got to have something really hard about you now. Hashim Amla is all talent. He's a really nice guy. He might go into a shell in the hard situation. So I personally think it was a good call for him to do step down. I don't think culturally this team is ready for a, a nice a nice guy. I don't think Tess Craig is actually ready for a nice guy just yet. I think if you're going through a transition, which South Africa is probably just at the start of, 
And um, you, you're right, you need that hard bastard. I look at Australia when they sort of went through their renaissance, and, and that was Alan Border that really kicked off with a really crappy team. Um, I, I guess a culture of that hard bastardness, as you like to put it. Mm. Um, you know, followed by Steve Waugh, followed by Mark Taylor, followed by Ricky Ponting, guys that would really get down and dirty. Um, and, you know, if Stain's about to go, you've lost Callis. AB saying he's kind of getting close, I think. Amler's, I think Amler's still got a few years left, but, um, you know, can Flanders stop being injured, so forth and so forth. You, you've got a fairly newish team coming through, and um, it's going to take, uh, I think you're right, it's going to take someone with a with some, some balls to sort of hold that together, because it's not going to be pretty for South Africa for the next 18 months to two years, I don't think. It really isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. But now, when I'm glad you painted the picture as grimly as that because it is a team sort of like, you know, where's this next step? Obviously, Timber Bavuma, he's young and he's talented. Uh, Dean Elgar is still pretty young. Stephen Sale, he's also mid-20s if you can keep a spot in the team. Uh, got Kakisa Rabada coming through. He's very young. Um, but, you know, there's been some rumors now that Dean Elgar might be an outsider for the test captaincy. And if you look at him, I mean, here's a guy that went toe-to-toe to Mitchell Johnson. You do that, you're in the team for me for life. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe this guy is actually the solution. It's not AB. He's also a guy that made a pair on debut against Australia. And um, But do, do you really want a left-arm finger spinner as your captain is the question. <laughs> well, as long as he drops the left-arm finger spinning role and we actually have a decent spinner we can throw in there. You know, so, so, someone to uphold, uphold Paul Harris's legacy, which no one has done just yet. <laughs> I, I can never uh, be critical of a guy who makes a living from wearing suits. But, uh, Ben, you know, there's some interesting things going on. I'm, I'm a big fan of Rabatos. Um, I saw him bowl a bit in India, which was his first tour. And any quick that can make inroads in India, irrespective of your experience, is somebody worth sticking with because they they've obviously putting in, you know, they're not, those, they're not pitches made for, for mm. quicks. And then the guys, the guy's got a little bit of, I don't know if I've read it wrong, but I reckon he's got a bit of, um, Andre Nell about him. He's got a little bit of that grunt. Um, that and is I like a very that. bold thing to say, but yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. You know, well, uh, look, I could be wrong. I'm a long way away. It's a 14 hour flight, but, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so he's one. And then, uh, is, how do you pronounce it? Bavuma, the, the opener? Yeah, Bavuma. Uh, there was a guy who, um, I, look, I, I had no problem with him being in the team. Obviously, there was a whole thing about him being in the team only because he's black. I think there's a guy with a pretty stellar first class record. Did a ride for SAA, uh, the, hmm. the, the, the team, not the in trouble, the embattled airline. So <laughs> I, I think, oh, throw him in there. I think, you know, these short blokes are coming through. Huh? I mean, look at Taylor for England. Okay, dodgy last test, but nothing wrong with a short guy. Sashin was short. Everyone needs yeah, a short Don guy. Don Brabham, Brabham wasn't very tall, but, uh, you know, Pavuma, it was interesting. I, I was following, was it Alvaro Peterson's tweets sort of backing him up saying, you know, you can say he's a quoted player all you like, but I've got the stats to prove that he, he, he's deserved his place. Mm. And, and that's another topic that we've, you and I have covered to death, but that, that yeah. makes me sad that we're even having that conversation because oh, I believe you're right. This guy's earned his spot irrespective of skin color and now he's he's gonna hold it for a long time i'd suggest well he's got a test hundreds you know you can dig all they want about the fact that a white guy had a better average but he's got a test hundred like everything's done now the guy's there the games yeah the, <laughs> you, but you don't judge you can't judge players just on averages unless of yeah, course you're james exactly. anderson but park him. <laughs> 
very subjective. Uh, yeah, so so we, we've got to move on to other things. There's so much to get through yep. here. But um, like I reckon Dean Elgar wouldn't be the worst bet because there's a guy who's going to take on Graham Smith for whatever he was. And he's become a bloody good comment, commentator, I must add. Well, for whatever yeah. he was, he was that guy you want as a captain because he would open the batting, he would take the challenge to the other guys, and then you don't need anything else after that. Hard, abrasive. He batted with, he batted with broken hands, you know. You can't fault Graham Smith's record. I've got, no, I've got, I've got nothing against Dean Elgar being captain. I'm interested in your views on Faf being captain. I don't think he should be. Anyone who tailors his sleeves of his shirt to make his guns look bigger, you can't trust on that on a leadership level. Have him in the team. The guy's supremely talented, but I don't, I don't think he's he's test captain. I really don't. I think someone like like Elgar is actually the best thing because AB is going to be interim. I mean, I I don't see him being the full flat out guy. Workload, all that kind of stuff. If he's uh, test captain, AB, I mean. Yeah, sorry, Dennis. I actually pressed the wrong button there. Anyway, I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right Did along. Did you dump? No, I, I didn't dump here, I promise. Um, but but, but <laughs> let's, move, let's move along to things on your side, okay? Was yeah. anything learned out of that West Indies test series you just had? Oh. Other than the fact Look, that West you... Indies are still piss poor. Yeah, it's it's sad West Indies cricket at the moment. Um, you know, I've got a strong belief that when the the administration's poor, that everything flows from that, and and the West Indies are just in upheaval at the moment. Uh, and to be fair, to to bring together fifteen different nations and principalities and protectorates and try and making try and make a national team out of it's not that easy. And uh, when the board's paying their best players on one hundred one hundred fifty US one hundred fifty thousand US dollars a year. To, to be contracted and they can, you know, Chris Gale can come out here and make 250000 Australian dollars in six weeks' work. Why would you play test cricket? I feel sorry for Jason Holder. Um, you know, 23, 24-year-old kid put his hand up and said, oh, I'll try and keep this together. Uh, and it's not working for him. Darren Sammy was another one that wanted to try and help, but he wasn't good enough to be in the test team. And um, I, I don't know where they go from here. The reality is... Uh, New Zealand beat Sri Lanka this morning in a T20. But if Sri Lanka had won that match, the West Indies would have been number one T20 team in the world in the rankings. And maybe that tells us a bit about the future of West Indies cricket. Maybe not every test team stays a test team and maybe not every T20 team stays a T20 team and um, things morph and ebb and flow. Why why don't we replace the West Indies in test cricket with Afghanistan, for example, or do something radical to try and move this up? But it, it, you can't fix these things overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and until they fix the structure of what's going on over there and they make it uh, worthwhile or um, aspirational to, to play test cricket and, and remunerate as such, you, you're going to continue to have these issues. Yeah, it really is. It's a hard school, this whole test cricket thing. You need massive resources and you need to have these players incentivized because it's not the easiest thing to do. Every player th- sees it as the ultimate proving ground. But at the same time, I mean, input and output, like sweat for money. <laughs> T20 takes it and the West Indies definitely show that but um, it was a shame to see that uh, the City Test got so badly affected by rain of course that's a big charity driver for you guys that's right or the, the Glenn McGrath Foundation but now you've got India India are now there for five ODI three T20s that's right that's right and um, you know no one's more excited than me to, to watch more ODI cricket after seeing a World Cup <laughs> Okay, well, let's, let's start with Dhoni, because I, I think that's pretty much yeah. where a lot of conversations started in with India. Now, I was reading yeah. something very interesting on Quick Info this morning, uh, because, you know, mm. when I talk to someone of your caliber, I've got to do some prep. 
can't just stand here and <laughs> pull things out of my ass. Now, the thing, the thing with Dhoni and his batting, of course, uh, he was that big swashbuckling uh, game finisher. You know, he would bat six, seven or whatever, come in, score a quick 40, and he would, he would guide it home. He's not that guy anymore, but he, is he the middle-order batsman that you want when you've got a guy like Rihani being dicked around in the order? Because he's a genuine stroke play. He did bloody well against South Africa. And then um, Coley, is he ever going to step up and be the, the player he should be? Well, the thing with Donny is he's still the captain of the ODI side. So while he's still captain, he can do what he likes. And, and, and Which is why Yeah, and he spent his whole career essentially doing that. No one's ever challenged him. So I think this might be his farewell tour, though. I'm just looking up now. I've gone, I've gone to my MS Donny ODI century clock, and it says he hasn't made 100 <laughs> for two years, 84 days, and seven hours. So... Um, yeah, he, has, he hasn't got form on the board. Oh, it's yeah, Look, this this is the end of it. It's not. He's, he's definitely not at the start of his career, uh, and he's been a brilliant ODI batsman. He's not necessarily the best tactician. Um, he hasn't. He, oh, I don't know. I don't mind him batting six or seven. The keeper has to bat somewhere. Who? And if he comes out as a wicket keeper, Saha is probably not the guy to come in. Because mm. um, you lose that batting strength, and in ODIs, this fifty-over game, you, you need your bats, you need your keeper to be able to hit the ball. Um, so maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe he bats eight, uh, or maybe he pinch hits at number one. I, I, I don't know, I, I, but he won't be around much longer. He's got to go back and sit with the Chennai Super Kings on the sidelines for two years because they've been banned, if I remember rightly. So. <laughs> no, I can't believe that happened because I thought that they actually owned India, let alone the cricket. That was amazing. So there's going to be five ODIs. Sorry, I've got, yep. got a bit of a bit of a dry throat here. Bear with me for a second. Oh, I hope that's rum and coke. I've been I've been so ill for the last five days, so embarrassing. Come back from holidays, I'm just a spluttering mess in the peak of summer. Anyway, so it's going to be Jan 12. Okay, so tomorrow is your your first yep. game. Uh, then 15th, right. 17th, 20th, and 23rd, and then the month wraps up on the 26th and 29th and 30th with your T20s. So yep. this Indian team, they've lost the last two series, uh, of course, losing to uh, the Proteas at home when they did this really stupid thing by playing a batting-friendly pitch that actually comes onto the bat. But uh, Ashwin, of <laughs> course, only, play, only bowled four overs in that last series against uh, South Africa, so we can't take that result seriously whatsoever. Uh, Pitch-wise, uh, the Indians can't win this, can they, if you just look at it? Uh, don't, don't be so sure. The Australian bowling lineup is not great. Uh, so Stark's injured, who's the number one ODI bowler in the world. Is, is and he, then is he arguably, the... arguably the best... Sorry, mate, go on. Is he, is he definitely out of the T20 World Cup? Uh, uh, oh, I'd be surprised if he goes. He's going to have no bowling under him or any fitness. You know, he hasn't really bowled for now for, what, six weeks. He'll be out for another four or five. I, I'd be surprised. Yeah, and the, and the injury but is But then again, it's only, it's only four overs he has to bowl a match and, you know, three three in-swinging Yorkers and you win the match. So, <laughs> But uh, he, he's not playing. Um, arguably arguably the best spin bowler in the world behind him and here at the moment, Nathan Lyons, not playing. <laughs> Couldn't get picked. Um, and I would have loved to have seen him bowl off against Ashwin. Uh, that would have been fantastic. So we've got this bowling lineup of Scott Boland, who's never played before for Australia, um, a guy called Paris, who's never played for Australia before. Then you've got yeah, Mitch Marsh, I, I, James I Faulkner. I noticed, I, I've never heard of Paris, and as they would say in, in South Africa, Borland. It's a, it's a region here. Um, <laughs> he, he's, uh, Paris is this year's called an aisle. So... <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, and, and Josh Hazelwood. So you've actually only got one bowler in the team who's a fair income bowler. Everybody else is a, 
50-50 sort of uh, all-rounder. And then you've got Maxwell as your spinner, and he's not the greatest spinner going around. So if no. India's going to win this match, it'll be because Australia haven't picked their best bowling lineup. That is very strange to think. I mean, I, I, look, Lyon, they might not like him, but when, you, when that's your lineup, you pick him regardless. <laughs> you just yeah, yeah. The guy, he's, so he's playing Big Bash at the moment, and the other night, after three in one match, after three overs, he was four for five. <laughs> That's ridiculous. You know, and and you, and then Rod Marsh, chemist selector, says, "Oh, we need him to play more big bash just to see how he if he's ready for the T Twenty World Cup." No, mate. There's internationals on. He's your best bowler in the country at the moment. You put him in the team. It's not that difficult a concept, I think. Yeah, I see selectors the world over. Huh? It's not. It's not exactly <laughs> a local problem for anyone. So I think it's going to be closer than what you think, Ben. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a 3-2 result either way. Well, I had no idea Maxwell is is your prime spinner. I mean, I'll take back all my sort of preconceived ideas about this thing now. And um, batting-wise, obviously Steve Smith's going to be the captain with that one. Um, yeah. Everyone else pretty much fit there. How many marshes have you got in this time? Uh, just one. So Mitch Marsh is playing. Sean Marsh didn't get a gig, which I found really surprising. He's he's actually a, a very, very good white ball player. Mm. Um, and George Bailey's held his spot ahead of him, which is very interesting, um, which maybe sends a signal that they might be looking at him for the uh, T20 World Cup because he's had a fantastic big bash. Um, and it's amazing now, Ben, isn't it, when you think that things like domestic T20 leagues can set you up to play in World Cup tournaments. <laughs> it is pretty crazy, but then again, it's because it's T20, so you can't think of much else. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that's so, you, true. so you said 3-2 on the back of um, the fact that the Aussies haven't got the best bowlers. Now, is there anything that we should know about the Big Bash, other than the fact that Chris Gale's pushing gender inequalities and, um, well, it's all over Twitter, but I can't say I can follow this thing. Yeah, no, nah, look, don't, 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 look, that, that's been said about that. Um, uh, look, the one interesting thing has been the launch of the Women's Big Bash League this year. Yeah. So it's been the first professional Women's League uh, domestic T20 tournament. And um, Channel 10 here is one of the five free-to-air stations decided to put uh, eight matches on free-to-air. And after the first two rated their socks off, uh, they've essentially doubled the amount of free-to-air uh, matches. Channel Nine's taking the women's T20 internationals against India, putting them on free-to-air, which they hadn't planned to do. Um, the ratings for the women's big bash, it's outrating our local soccer league and it's Amazing. outrating our local basketball league in its first season, and nobody knows any of the players. And it just proves, um, A, cricket's gender agnostic. We don't really care if it's good cricket. Yeah. And, B, the women do play good cricket. It's a different game to the men's game. There's still a lot of power in there, but it's 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 much more technical. It's like watching, I won't say women's tennis. It's a bit more like women's golf. You know, I was about the, to say yeah. the, the techniques are very pure. Mm. Well, that's interesting news. And are, are there any male reporters being sexually slagged off by the players in the dugout? Look, I've I've had a pretty tough time down at the grounds, Ben. I'll say that. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> okay, Dennis. Well, before I let you go, uh, of course, it's a big year ahead. We do have the T20 World Cup, which we'll talk about again sometime. Um, Test crickets. Is there another Ashes coming? End of the year. Not till, t- not till 2017, thank oh, Christ. Okay, cool. All right, well, then the big talking point is, will Kevin Peterson release another book? I think he's due. And, uh, and, oh, and, and he's, he's, he's now in the Channel 9 commentary box for uh, for tomorrow's ODI match, I found out today. <laughs> just, oh. just when you need another blokey bloke in there. There is going to be no. There's going to be periods of like half an hour where you won't know who's batting or bowling because Warren's going to be talking about how the two of them gangbang someone in Shepherd's Bush, and Mark Nicholas is going to be trying to weigh in as well how his tan is better. It's going to be such a mess having all of them in one place. 
Oh, it's horrible. It's wow. horrible. You know, the, you know, the funny thing is, I reckon Slats is going to come out as the absolute hero of the commentary box. <laughs> on the basis that he might as you speak about cricket the most. I'll take you up on that bet. There is no way he will be the best commentator in there. Bill, Bill Laurie's in there at the moment, so uh, Bill, there's some sanity. Bill is like, um, well, he's like Roger Federer. He's never going to go away. He keeps hitting new bits of form because the, the 12th man still lives with Bill. I mean, even the Billy Birmingham is now retired. Yeah. Bill is just, yeah. he's brilliant. He's just, he is. He, I hope he never dies. I really do. I hope he's 307 still calling a game and saying, telling us how crap the West Indies are. Anyway, Dennis, we've sadly run out of time. This whole thing has just flown by. Where can everyone find you? And tell us about some of the things you're busy with at the moment. Uh, thanks, Ben. Look, uh, the easiest way to find me is at dennisdoescricket.com. Uh, all kinds of articles. We've got our um, podcast, the Can't Bowl, Can't Throw podcast, of which you've been a guest on many times, and we need you on soon. Twice. Uh, and and that thing's going all right. We, we, we rated number one in the world for cricket the last few weeks, so I'm pretty happy with that. Well and uh, we've got some video stuff up there. So go on there and all the social media links are there. So DennisDoesCricket.com. Well, and Dennis, thanks so much for joining us. And, of course, you can get this podcast on cliffcentral.com or on the balance.co.za itself. We'll talk to Dennis some more. Uh, endless. I mean, we could talk to him for a full hour as it is. But we can't. And we are running out of time. This thing has just gone so quickly. Uh, we're going to get the best of what's happening for the rest of the week. But first, a little bit of Jose Mourinho and his humor. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Hold that thought. Uh, and next, we've got a bit of Jose Mourinho and some of his humor. When you think about the moments that you're happiest away from football, what are the things that make you smile, that just give you peace, that make you feel, you know, alive? In this moment, mm. we in a match. <laughs> That was Jose speaking on a talk show just prior to getting the sack. Uh, quickly on to the sports we need to look forward to the rest of the week. Of course, golf. It's a really good time of year for South African golf because we've got the SA Open, which is a co-sanctioned event on the European Tour that takes uh, took place last week. The Joburg Open is the one this week. Played at the amazing Royal Johannesburg Golf Course. They play the east and the west course there in the area. Got to get down. The weather might be slightly inclement, a little bit wet, but still really cool course. It's a really good walk, and only us will be playing amongst other local and European talents. The Sony Open will be taking place on the US PGA Tour. Uh, pretty decent field to be assembled there. And then uh, there was FA Cup uh, action over the weekend, which means the English Premier League returns this week. And it returns tomorrow, so we've got some great midweek clashes. Quickly running through those. Newcastle United versus Man United. That'll be All these games will be at quarter to ten. Bournemouth, West Ham, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace. That's tomorrow. And then on Wednesday, we've got Stoke versus Norwich, Southampton, Watford, Man City versus Everton, Chelsea versus West Brom, Swansea versus Sunderland. And then at 10 o'clock, two really big games. We've got Spurs and Leicester. They just played in the, in the FA Cup. Now they're playing in the league. And the big one of that is Liverpool versus Arsenal. That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thanks so much for joining us, Duncan. Thank you for pulling the strings behind the scenes. Uh, I just pressed that button here. Huh? Catch the Bounce Show every Monday, 10 a.m. SA time, if not live. Catch the podcast on cliffcentral.com or the thebounce.co.za. Catch a whole bunch of other stuff on the thebounce.co.za. My name is Ben, and I'll catch you next week. Thanks so much. This is cliffcentral.com.